Well, I wanted to uh, uh, talk to you today. By the way, just thank you for having us, Pastor. And, uh, you know, we're bursting at the seams here. But we believe by grace and through faith in two years. <laughs> It'll be really close to next Easter, but I... We may be walking through mud to get there, but maybe we'll do it. It'll, it'll be fun anyway. So, yeah, the good news is, for those of you that haven't heard, we, we have uh, secured our financing to finish our building. So it uh, should be 12 to 14 months. So praise the Lord for that. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you today about running the human race, running the human race. And uh, Easter weekend really is the highlight of the Christian calendar in every way. And you know, we see that uh, through the death of, uh, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we, we really begin to understand uh, that actually it's a greater picture. Though it's the greatest picture of, uh, and the greatest weekend in the Christian calendar, I actually think that it's a picture of humanity far more than people realize. And uh, I, I think because of that very thing, the Easter weekend, is, Easter weekend is really a picture of what it means to be human. You see, in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we see this ultimate suffering and then we see this ultimate triumph. And I, I really believe if you, for you and I to understand that life really is a mixture of both of those. That both of those things come to us as we run the human race. I think Jesus kind of got it. And uh, this isn't going to be on your PowerPoint, but it says in John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world you will have tribulation and distress and suffering. But be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished. My victory is abiding. You know, as we run this human race, um, you know, this is an ultra marathon. And the ultra marathon of life, I think if we don't understand that uh, the, the common thing that you and I are going to go through is that there is a common joy and a common pursuit and a common peace but there's also a common suffering. And that is part of the human race. And I honestly believe that we as churches, uh, if there's something that we need to get better at, it's that we need a better theology of suffering. We need to understand this because it's common to every single one of us. In this race that we're running, we're running toward a prize. Every human being is running toward a prize. And there's some similar things that we're going to talk about as we look at what it means to run the human race. Let me pray now for us. Father God, just uh, come by your Holy Spirit and teach us today because, Lord, in this room, every single person is running the human race. And uh, in that race, God, we're pursuing certain prizes and certain things, but the reality is, is all of us are going to go through a little bit of suffering as we go on this journey together. And so help us to understand that in Jesus' name. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive and respond to you. Amen and amen. Whew. We are all in the same race. That's the first thing I want us to look at in Hebrews chapter 12. This is from the Passion Translation. If you haven't read any of the Passion Translation, it's a beautiful new uh, version of the Bible. So let me read a portion of it to you. It says this. As for us... We have these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must lo let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin that we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run 
life's marathon race with passion and determination, for the path has already been marked out for us. Well, what path has been marked out for us? I think the first thing that we need to understand in, the, in, that, in this race, this, this, this human race that we're all part of, there's a prize. And ultimately, I want you to understand from the Christian perspective, God's thought, God's intention, God's heart is to say that the prize is actually life with him. That's actually the prize. You know, the gospel is not just about the forgiveness of your sins. The gospel is actually that God is inviting you to do life with him. That's the good news. The kingdom of God is open. Jesus' first message. Come on in. God is saying there's a new way to live. And the, the prize that we are to pursue in our lives is to walk with God, to live in victory and walk together with him in confidence. And I want you to understand that you can also live this life uh, where the prize is not God. That's the amazing thing. God has actually given people uh, the ability to choose not to choose him. <laughs> You can say, you know what, I don't, I don't really want to walk with God, but I'm going to live my life and pursue this life as the prize. And how many of you know that many people choose that way? They choose to follow this world and say, I'm going to go after the prize that is this life and forget about God. But I want you to understand something, that not only is there a prize in this life, and it, each one of us pursues the prize, and we're going to look at that in a few minutes, uh, but you also need to understand that every single human being you meet there is running through pain. Every single human being you meet is running through pain because there's pain in this life. There is suffering to be had in this life. You know, Good, Good, Good Friday really proves that, doesn't it? That Jesus was a man acquainted with sorrow, right, and with grief. That if we understand that really Good Friday is a picture of the human race, that there is suffering and there is grief and there is a challenge to be had, and every single person that you see in your life actually is doing that as well. You know, we can run with God or we can run without God, but all of us are going to run through some pain. And I think, uh, you know, Tim Keller hit it, and I'm going to read a, a large portion of his book. Well, not really, like just a chapter, but, or not, not a chapter, but a paragraph, but it's long. It, it, hang in there. We'll get there. Listen to what Tim Keller says. He says, therefore, no matter what precautions we take, no matter how well we have put together a good life, no matter how hard you've worked to be healthy, wealthy, comfortable with friends and family, and successful with our careers, something will inevitably ruin it. No amount of money, power, and planning can prevent the bereavement, the dire illnesses, the relational betrayals, the financial disasters, or the host of other troubles from your life. You may not have all of them, but you will experience some of them. Human life is fatally fragile and subject to forces beyond our power to manage. Life is tragic. We all know this intuitively, and those who face the challenge of suffering and pain learn how to do it well, uh, that the impossible to do is only if we don't rely on our own resources. We all need support if we're not going to succumb to despair. Tim Keller wrote that in his book called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. Every person you meet is walking with a limp. Every person has a cross to bear. You know, every single person has a cross to bear, and every single one of us has a different cross to bear. But that's the thing that unites us. It actually is something you need to understand. You're not alone. You know, there's a common path for the human race. 
And the common path for the human race is that there's a great prize that you can choose which prize you're going to go for. And, but there's also, there's also great suffering in this life. That's the thing that unites us. And actually, there's another thing that unites us, and it's called a, a common pathos. And our common pathos, and that's kind of like, you know, a pathology, our common disease, the common thing that's common to you and I is a thing called sin. And so both the path that we're on that produces suffering and blessing, and both the pathos that we're in connects us. Every single human being you meet has a common path and a common pathos. That's what the Easter weekend really is about. I think that's why we connect to people's stories about suffering, don't we? We connect to people's stories when they overcome. We connect to those stories of that overcoming person. You're like, man, I I just relate to that person. And then, you know, in the next breath, actually, that's our common path. And we we cheer those people on that are overcoming in their life and getting through suffering and, and, and getting victory. And we're like, wow, wow, wow. But then, you know, because we have a common pathos in our next breath, breath, we can actually judge those people. <laughs> because of sin, we're like, well, you know, I, no wonder he's going through a hard time. Look what he did. You're like, wow, one minute you were cheering for the guy, the next minute you're running him over with the bus. You know, when you hear, when you hear a beep, 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 it's not the Lord, it's a bus about to back back over you. So, so hang in there, people. So here we are. We got this common path, this common pathos. We're on this race, this human race together. We all run in the same race And here's the thing, we determine the prize that we are running toward. That's where God's given us freedom. You see, you need to understand, in the the common race, there's certain things you don't have freedom from. You're going to be running, there's going to be suffering, there's going to be good times, and there's going to be hard times. But you get to choose the prize that you're heading toward. Look at what the text says. It says this, we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us toward faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. He looked away from the natural realm. See, Jesus ran toward the prize and the prize for him and what he laid out in his life, what he laid out and what he demonstrated to us is that you can have a life with God. You can walk with God in this life. And Jesus was the ultimate example of a human being walking with God. And and to me, his life is like, Jesus is the greatest human that ever lived. He's the most human human that ever lived. He's the grandest picture of what it means to be human to do life with God and to pursue others to say, you can also have what I have. What a generosity of of love that Jesus Christ portrays to the world. You can have this life. Yes, you're going to go through hard times. Yes, you're going to go through suffering, but you're not going to go through it alone. And at the end of it, the ultimate prize is that that suffering's removed. And you have life with God. You see, running in the race is not an option, but we determine which prize we're running toward. And I want you to understand that. Here's the first prize that we run toward in our world. We can live our lives doing everything to avoid suffering because we think the prize is only found in this life. Our whole world kind of goes after this. (laughs) I'm going to do everything I can do to avoid suffering. Well, I mean, that's kind of natural. Hello? Hello? I, I'm in, in that camp too. You know, I don't want to go through suffering, but there's a different kind of suffering. We'll talk about that in a second. 
You know, our whole life, so many people's lives is to avoid pain, and, and the pursuit of happiness is what they pursue. You know, they want to defy the inevitable date that they have with death. And the only vision they have is the vision of this life. And, and so many people do that. You know, the Bible says we pursue these things, and, and we understand that I'm free. You know, in our world, we actually are free. You are free to choose to go after the prize of this life. And to say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm just going to live my life. And I'm, I'm, you know, t- tomorrow eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow I die. And you can do that. But the Bible says this, sin is fun for a season. For a season. And then the season comes to an end. And, and you understand that, that so many people live, their ultimate, their ultimate goal in life is to pursue freedom. I can do whatever I want. I'm under no restraints, no constraints. I don't care what God says. I want to do what I want to do. And it works for a while. And then the while comes to an end. That's our world today. That's the pursuit that's happening. You know, I want you to understand something. The ultimate suffering is this. This is the ultimate suffering. Are you ready for it? Gethsemane is the ultimate picture of suffering. Because I'll tell you why. It leads to the cross, of course, which, which is the ultimate picture. But Gethsemane has this ama- amazing point to it. Jesus is there, and he's literally bursting the blood vessels in his head under the stress and the strain of what he's about to face. And he says, God, take this cup from me. Ever been there? You ever been going through suffering in your life and you're like, man, I can't do this. I can't do this. But Jesus does the next thing and he says, but not my will. God, your will be done. And you see, that's the ultimate form of suffering. It's the ultimate humiliation. Do you understand the ultimate humiliation of Gethsemane is that I will give up control. And it's the ultimate declaration to mankind. The price of walking with God is that you release and relinquish control. And that's easier said than done. It's easier said than done. You see, it's a terrible thing to end your life only to find out that you've been running on a road with an empty prize package. <laughs> when you come to the end of the race, and you're like, "Woo! I won. Oh my gosh, what did I win? What did I win? In my life as a pastor, I've done many funerals. And um, I'll tell you two stories, and I'm not going to get into the stories of the funeral, but I'll tell you this. I had the privilege, and this didn't, doesn't happen all the time, I had the privilege of leading two multi-millionaires to the Lord in the last days and hours of their lives. They had come to the end of their lives and realized, I've been running on the wrong, chasing the wrong prize. I've been pursuing the wrong thing. One of the men woke up from a coma after being in a coma for three days. And, and I was able to lead him to Christ and say, God, you're pursuing the wrong prize, man. You need to let go of this, these pursuits and, and cry out to Jesus. And he did. 18 hours later, he was gone into, into eternity. God woke him from a coma. It was a miracle of God, the most incredible miracle I've ever seen. The other just happened to me last year. It was a relative of mine to go and to spend some time with him on the last days of his life and to say, you need to find a different prize that you've been running your life toward. 
and to find him turn his life in that moment. Now, you know, that's not everybody's story, though, is it? Not everybody gets that chance and that opportunity to turn from the prize they've been living their whole life running toward and to find what really life is all about. But let's talk about believers. Let's talk about you and I who follow God for a minute because I think there's another prize that you and I can run toward. Here it is. We can stop running the race to paralyze and define by the pain and we can lose sight of the prize. How many of you know we do that sometimes? We lose sight of the prize of, of running life with God and doing life with God. And, and sometimes, you know, we get caught up in our pain and our suffering. And, and I want you to know I'm not belittling your pain and I'm not minimizing your pain. I'm really not. But I want you to understand sometimes we can get distracted by it. And it can pull our eyes off of what God intends for us. You know, eight years ago, I was diagnosed with MS. And... Uh, I won't go into all the, all the details of the story, but um, what ended up happening was I began ferociously, and my family will attest this, to pursue healing. Because I believe God heals. <laughs> I've seen God heal. I've seen God heal my life. I've seen God heal my family. I've seen miracles in my own family of healing. So I pursued healing, follow me now, with a passion. Guys, I'm telling you, I did everything you can do. I repented of every sin I ever committed, every sin my generations ever committed, every sin my kids committed, every sin they're going to commit. <laughs> they were wondering why I was mad at them sometimes, because I know one day you're going <laughs> to. And you understand, I ate things you should never eat. I ate grass. I ate all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Not marijuana. Okay, I just. <laughs> Get your head out of the gutters, you people. Come on. Yeah, I, you understand, like, I, I mean, I worshipped every night. I spent an hour in prayer and worship every single night. Every morning I would get up and I was reading the Bible. I was confessing every scripture. I had pages of scripture that I would confess day and night. I was taking communion every day. And for years, months and months and months and months, I was pursuing healing. And you know what was happening? I was getting further away from God. And I was like, what is going on? I'm doing everything, God. That should be your first hint. <laughs> and, and, but I'm going to tell you, I finally, it wasn't until I came to a point of frustration and a point of brokenness and a point of honesty with God that I began to come back in line with the prize that I had always pursued in my whole Christianity, which was just life with God. Even in the midst of suffering, and I'm going to tell you, I had my Gethsemane moment. I really did. I had that moment where I'm like, God, you said you'd heal. You promised you'd heal. I don't get this, Lord. But I, God, not my will, but yours be done. And that moment of releasing control, do you understand? That was my moment of saying, God, I trust you no matter what. No matter what, God, I know you heal. I know you're good. I know you love me. I don't get what I'm going through, what I'm going through, but God, I want to get back on track and go after the prize. Life with you. Amen? That's all of us. Every one of us. You know, there are times in your life when you may be disillusioned and discouraged, and God is saying, give up. <laughs> give up control. Trust me. 
Trust me. Hallelujah. You see, I don't know, I don't, again, want to minimize your pain, but I believe that we can find purpose in our pain, even through our pain. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the Father of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. And just as we share in the abundance in the sufferings of Christ, also our comfort abounds through Christ. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, we also share in your comfort. See, the way to run, I think, the human race is to run through the pain and with the pain toward the prize. See, Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. I think there's a picture of a a little gravestone. This little boy's name was Matthew. He was ten and a half when he surrendered his life to Jesus. He was much younger than that when he did, but when he died, he was ten and a half. But let me read to you a little bit. I want you to keep that picture up there. And I want you to, I want you to read what the family had written on his uh, eulogy. Due to complications at birth, Matthew's life expectancy was only supposed to be a few days must be Jesus. (laughs) However, with fortitude and strength and endurance, combined with the power of God, allowed Matthew to live ten and a half years, enveloped in the love of his family and friends. His family was privileged to spend time with him upon the earth, to learn from his courage and to marvel at his constant joy and happiness in the face of struggle. His family will be eternally changed by his presence and temporarily changed by his passing. What a line. Matthew was received into the state of rest and happiness from all his troubles as he went into the arms of his Savior and friend, Jesus. Look at that pursuit. See, that's somebody who's running through the pain toward the promise. And that's a family that ran through the pain toward the promise. Amen? You know, I think those that are like Matthew decide to carry their cross, whatever their cross may be. They decide to carry their cross and they decide to pursue God even in the midst of suffering. We all know the story. Maybe you don't, but I'll tell you a little bit about it. Horatio Spafford was known as Chicago, one of Chicago's most successful lawyers and businessmen. Through many of his investments, he had purchased uh, tons of real estate in Chicago and was very wealthy. In 1971, he was quoted as friends in a writing that he had written to them saying this. He was saying, I feel like I'm sitting on top of the world. I have a loving wife, four beautiful daughters, a profitable business empire, and a successful law practice. Who would have thought in one night it all would have changed when a cow kicked over a lamp in Chicago and started the great Chicago fire that burned Chicago, the city, to the ground. And Spafford lost his entire, all his possessions. He told his friends that all he had left of his business empire was his university diploma. And though Spafford was devastated by the loss, his wife was even more shaken 
And so he decided that his wife and children should go, and they would go to Europe for a vacation, an extended vacation over in Europe with some friends. And uh, right before they left for vacation, Spafford had some business stuff that came up because of the fire, and he couldn't go. So he sent his wife and four daughters, and he said, go across, I will come and join you shortly. What he didn't know, of course, was that the ship that they were on uh, during the, the, the travel across struck another oncoming ship and was sank. 226 people lost their lives. Spafford's wife was spared, and he didn't learn about that until a few days later when he received a two-word telegram from his wife saying, Saved alone. He quickly took the next ship across to England to pick up his grieving wife. And uh, as they were approaching the spot where the ship went down, the captain came to him and said, Mr. Spafford, this is where we believe your daughters uh, are lying. And so, sorry, as he went down and he began to walk toward he remembered the words of his friend D.L. Moody. And D.L. Moody had said to him, one of these days you're going to hear that D.L. Moody is dead. He said, don't you ever believe a word of it. I am more alive now than I have ever been. And instead of feeling grief, Spafford felt an incredible sense of peace. And he wrote the words, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roar, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. When he returned to Chicago with his wife, some friends gathered, and they, he had writ, written the entire poem, and the, one of his friends was a musician, and he set the words to music, which of course we know is the song, It Is Well With My Soul. And within weeks, that song was the central song that was sung at all of the crusades that Moody held with the story being told. Mr. and Mrs. Spafford went on to live in the Holy Land and establish a ministry called the American Colony. The Spaffords saved thousands of lives each year by feeding the hungry and seeing that the the sick would receive medical care. Run toward the prize, and you will find purpose even in the midst of tremendous pain. Here's the last thought for us. We don't run alone. We don't run alone. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who opposed their very own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under lives' pressures. You know, we have support as we run the race. We, we need to look to the person to the right and to the left of us and say, you understand what I'm going through because you're, you have a common path as me. We're all we're on the same journey together, and we have a common pathos. We still have the same struggles of sin, and we're together. And, you know, this is what the church is meant to be. We're meant to be those that gather and take the hands of the people that are on the common path with us and the common pathos with us and say, we're walking together toward the prize. And this ain't the prize. This ain't the prize. We're not alone, guys. We have many great examples, and we have co-runners who want to run alongside of us and help us to carry our cross. You know, Jesus couldn't even carry his own cross. Come on now. What makes you think you can? You need somebody with you, and you run with God. Jesus said this, are you tired? 
<laughs> Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of my grace. I won't lay anything ill-fitting or heavy upon you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. I want us to watch a video now of what it means to run the human race. Let's watch that together. Those of you that don't know, that was his dad. That ran out onto the track so he'd finish the race. We don't run alone, church. God is carrying us. He's carrying us. He's walking with us. And, you know, I want you to take a moment just to think about your life. What prize are you running toward? Are you running toward and living your life like this is the only meaning and purpose is what I find in this life? There's so much more, guys. There's so much more. I don't want you to get to the end of your race and say, man, what have I been running for? (laughs) Or maybe you're like, I'm so stuck on my pain. 
I, I want you to know I, I don't know your pain. I don't. But you don't know mine either. <laughs> but I know you're in pain. And I know you're not alone. That you are loved. That God is for you and not against you. And so my challenge for all of us as believers is to run the race through the pain toward the prize of life with God. Amen? Let's bow our heads. The band's going to come back, and we're going to sing that song, It As Well, as they get ready to come back. I just want to pray together with you. I felt very strongly about this sermon. The Holy Spirit just wrote it. And because I know there are some people here that needed to be encouraged in the midst of suffering. And uh, so that, I can't even really take credit for it. It's kind of one of those sermons once in a while when the Lord just says, I'm going to tell you what to say. <laughs> but maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Greg, I have been running toward the wrong prize. And I'm going to talk to you first. You know, Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet to forfeit his soul? You know, this life, listen to me, is but a breath. It is so fleeting. It's so fleeting. Run the race with God toward God. If that's you here today, I want you to say, you know what, I need to get some things right with God. I need to ask him to come in. I need him to ask him to forgive me. I need him to ask him to help me to run with him not away from him. What you think is freedom is really going to produce bondage in the long run. And if that's you here today, I need you to be bold. I need you to be courageous. And I need you to say, that's me. I need to ask Jesus to come into my life. And I want to run with him. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if that's you. If you need to do that today, yes. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you're here and you're a Christian and you've been focusing a little bit too much on your pain. And I'm not minimizing your pain. I'm not trying to call it down. But maybe you just need to say, uh, God, help me to get my eyes back on the prize. Let go of the pain and to trust you with the pain. Whatever the pain is, the pain can be physical, it can be emotional, it can be spiritual. It doesn't matter. But if that's you here today where you've been kind of stuck, you've been stopped because you've been meditating on the pain that you're in. Christ wants to set you free today. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Say, Pastor, would you pray with me? Yes, many hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And for the last of us, you know, just how we need some strength to keep running the race and to feel the arms of the Father around him. You can raise your hand again if that's you, but if that's connecting with your heart, I want you to raise your hand. Say, thank you, Father. Lord, you see all of our hands. I raised two hands and a foot. <laughs> and the good thing is you're carrying me, so the other foot doesn't even matter. So, Lord, I just bless these amazing people that are running in the human race. And I pray the Spirit of Christ to flood them with joy and peace and remind them that they are righteous and to remind them that this is not the finish line. This is but a temporary stay until we go home to be with you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? And we're going to sing this song, but we're going to sing it with a little bit of different appreciation in closing.